Hey everyone, welcome to Notes from Her. I'm your host, Xochitl Hernandez. Or to pronounce it in the Nahuatl Aztec language, it's Xochitl Hernandez. Notes from Her is the podcast that encourages women and others to embrace their inner multicultural melody. Usually, I interview women of color musicians and performers where we talk about their stories, culture, music, and art. But as some of you may already know, Notes from Her will be having an interruption to its regular podcast style to report on the Black Lives Matter movement. I have gone out reporting and gathering interviews and sound bites on the protests going on around this city of Los Angeles and am putting them into this podcast for all of you to listen to their stories and perspectives. The series is called The Voices from the Streets of the Black Lives Matter Movement. And if you haven't already, I aired the first installment in this series last week, which you can listen to on any streaming platform. So please go ahead and take a listen. On this episode, I'm including the interviews I obtained when talking to Black journalist James Four and Reverend Ray Huang at the Pasadena Candlelight Vigil. On the last episode, I explained how the Pasadena Candlelight Vigil on May 31st was organized by religious clergy of different faiths and churches in Pasadena on the day that Christians worldwide recognize as the day of Pentecost. James Ford was one of the speakers, and I urge you to go back and listen to some of his speech in the last episode, because then you'll be better able to understand what he's talking about in this episode. For now, here is a more in-depth profile interview of James Ford. Could you tell me your name, please? James Ford. And uh, did you organize this, or what, what is your purpose here? Um, I was invited to uh, share my story. Uh, I am a journalist and I focus on police issues, social justice issues. Um, I've documented a lot of the things that have happened here in Pasadena, so uh, I have a pretty good sense of what the pulse of the community is, as well as what our police culture is. And what is that culture here in Pasadena? Hopefully it's changing, uh, but Pasadena isn't immune to the problems that have plagued uh, cities across the nation. So there have been some young people, some people who have been killed. And in my opinion, they, there, there was no justice. Um, it's not until enough people who aren't affected get infected with it that hopefully we'll see some of the change that we're looking for. Uh, so what has been your opinion on the past, couple, the past week going on with everything? I'm okay with all of it. I'm, I'm, I may choose a different path. I may go at it a different way. But I'm not going to condemn someone who's on a different journey to bring about effective change. I feel bad for businesses. I, I hope that no innocent lives are lost. Um, but America needs to wake up. And if it unfortunately is the loss of Brother George Floyd's life, I pray that it's not in vain and that it is the catalyst to some change. Because I'm tired. I, I just, I'm, I'm completely exhausted. So what's next? What do you think is next for you, for all of us here? I think we continue. I, I, you know, I've lived it for a two-month quarantine. A curfew doesn't <laughs> doesn't scare me, so it, it it can't stop today. It has to continue um, until there are laws changed, 
law, uh, police in California have too much latitude with the use of force. Um, there's zero accountability in that if you're in the financial industry and you can commit a financial crime, you lose your ability to be a financial advisor. Law enforcement can, at worst, lose their job. And rarely, especially in California, especially in Los Angeles County, where District Attorney Jackie Lacey fails to prosecute police officers, it's literally a license to kill. So first step would be voting her out of office or voting for someone else, let me just say that. Um, and just continue to fight. Mm -hmm. Do you think we need police reform, and if so, how? Um, the laws have to be a ch have to change. I, I I believe that police officers should be able to lose their post certification, and what that means is they would not be able to be employable. So they don't get the gift of resignation, and then a new present of being hired at another department before they're actually investigated possibly criminally charged, they're usually allowed to retire or resign. So that's that's how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. do, you, uh, do you believe that the police system is corrupt and seeming with racism or discrimination, or what is your stance on that? Because, you know, some people say, oh, there's good cops, there's bad cops. Like, what, what, do you, what is your opinion on that? America's corrupt, and police are agents of the state. Um, do I think all every officer is bad? No. Do I think every officer is racist? No. Do I think everybody has a bias? Yes. Um, the difference is when you have arresting powers and the law has given you the, uh, the authority to take someone's life, the, the threshold rises in terms of what accountability is. So yes, there needs to be reform. And right here in Pasadena, we can start with police oversight. Um, a civilian commission, um, which is flawed in some ways, but a civilian commission with subpoena powers that can actually look into issues, make recommendations, the way our government is set up, city council has no say over police. The mayor has no say over police. That decision rests straight, straight with the uh, city manager. Wow. So what are some ways you think the police could use less force or less militarization? You know, the, the militarization part of it is, is one component, um, but you would think in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, when we're all encouraged to social distance, I'm not telling police not to enforce the laws. I'm not suggesting that they allow violent acts to happen in their presence or that they may need to act to save someone else's life as well as their own. But in the middle of a pandemic, when, when we're talking about unarmed people and they still see a need to go hands-on first that's a problem that's a problem officers should have mental evaluations monthly bi-monthly because they cannot ingest that much shit and not smell like it. therapists have therapists <laughs> financial advisors have financial advisors cops see too much and they need somewhere to safely process that. Right, so you say like basically all that PTSD and that power kind of really is a bad recipe. It's a bad, I mean, they're human. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna afford them the decency that a lot of times they don't, they certainly didn't afford uh, Greg, uh, George Floyd. Human decency. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And so, last question. This was a demonstration organized by a lot of religious clergy. Do you have a specific faith or belief, and how does that play a part in what you're doing for the community? I, I mean, I believe in the Most High. I believe in God. I, I believe in universal karma. You know, I, I, and so, just as a general principle, you know, they don't want me to paint them as bad officers as a whole. I don't want them to see me and, and see my body as inherently a, a threat. You said earlier you had a specific story. What was that? Just about being a journalist or were you the face? Were you no, I, I mean, the, uh, I was 18 and got snatched out of a car uh, and I popped off as an 18-year-old might do. Um, I was maced. I was beat. I lived. You know, and so it's, it's, it's not a, and if you talk to you know, most African-American men can one-up each other on their police stories. And so, in, in, in the pantheon of what could happen, I'm, I'm here today, 30 years later. Uh, Brother Floyd is no longer here. Some of the names we named earlier, they're no longer here. Do you have any last-minute advice for any African-American men or women who have been victims of police brutality and have survived, tell the tell like you have? Therapy. Therapy. Don't suffer in silence. Understand what your triggers are. Uh, understand that you, you know, it was not your fault. And therapy. That's, that's that, or spiritual counseling, something. <laughs> but you can't sit with it all on your own. The next interview is of Reverend Ray Huang, who was a Presbyterian pastor one of the organizers of the Pasadena Candlelight Vigil, and also an organizer with LA Voice, which is a multiracial, multi-faith community organization made up of 57 different churches, synagogues, and mosques, representing 40,000 families in Los Angeles County, dedicated to fighting for social justice and equity. Here's what she has to say. I'm Reverend Ray Chen Huang, and I'm a community organizer with LA Voice and also a Presbyterian pastor. Um, and I'm here because, um, you know, we just can't stay silent anymore in this moment. I mean, we haven't been silent for a long time, but in this moment, we just, we've um, been waiting around for something to change. And ultimately, I think the calling today um, by the speakers is that we are the ones who are going to change. We cannot live with status quo anymore. Um, so we need to lift our voices. We need to actually act. We need to show up. And we need to be able to tell um, our legislators and we need to tell our country and we need to work ourselves to be able to change um, and put our action into where our mouths are, put our money where our mouths are and actually look for the moral budget that we need that values um, community first, that values families, that values youth and not police and not um, more militarism. Um, I mean, this country, we've been um, living in a world by which it's backwards. You know, um, God calls us that to love the poor. Um, to serve each other, um, and yet we are living and acting in a way by which we only care about the wealthy, we only care about um, what is comfortable. And so in this moment, we, we need everything to change. And so we're going to rise up, and there's going to be fires until we finally do something about it. Could you expand a little bit more on the responsibility for people of faith? Yeah, I mean, um, as we've seen in the civil rights movement, um, people of faith finally came together and stood up. Not everybody, um, but in this moment, what we need is not just simply to um, 
what we need is our faith leaders to be able to uh, stand up and be prophetic in this moment um, and to gather together and to set the moral agenda that we need for this country um, to move in the right direction. Um, and we've lost our ethics. We've lost our way for so long. And so it's a time for us to rejuvenate. It's a time for renewal. It's a time for rebirth, for resurrection um, in light of Pentecost. You know, the fire is coming down and we got to do something about it. We can't um, just sit around anymore. You're talking about fire, and so I want to, that kind of reminds me, what is your opinion on the protests and the rioting going on across our nation? Well, I mean, we people have been dying for centuries. People have been dying for decades, um, crying out. There have been fires. There has been, the L.A. has been burning. Um, the, the symbolic act of it burning over this weekend is something that's been happening in our souls, in our communities, and we, it will not stop. Um, and the fact that we're bringing in more military to be able to tell people to stop is ridiculous because our hearts are on fire. And so we're going to keep on um, standing up and we're going to have to keep on calling out and we're going to have to keep on moving forward. Otherwise, we're, we're going to keep burning and we're going to keep dying. And that just can't happen anymore. Do you think that it is necessary for this city to be kind of on fire and cities around the nation with these protests and even these riots? Do you think some of it is or even all of it is even necessary? I mean, what are you going to do if people are dying and people are crying out? We are on fire. So this is what it is. Protests are real. Um, people are scared. Um, so the, when Pentecost came, I mean, when the burning bush happened, fires happen. And so it's a moment when we can, uh, are we going to rise up and actually change something? Um, so it's... It is, that's what's happening. And for those who don't know what the day of Pentecost is, can you talk about that and how it pertains to this moment? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's the moment when the Spirit came and the church actually began. And, um, and the Spirit came down on the people and the church started. And so um, this is perhaps a showing today of hundreds of people gathering together. The Spirit came. People were moved. People showed up across all different faiths, across all different ages, ethnic groups, backgrounds. And we needed to stand up together. Um, my hope is that this is not just another showing. It's not just another symbolic act, um, but that we're actually going to do something about it. And like I said, I mean, it's a moment when we need to actually act, um, when we need to actually make a phone call, when we need to actually show up at le legislators' houses, when we need to actually vote on a budget that reflects um, what the, who the people are in the community itself. Um, and we're not going to just be able to just say the name anymore. We have to say the name and then we have to do something. Do you think that there needs to be police reform and if so, how? Absolutely. Um, it, we have to stop police brutality. We have to stop investing in the police thinking that it's the police who are going to solve the community. It needs to be, money needs to be going to the communities, money needs to be going to schools, money needs to be going to services if we're going to really lift up our communities. We think and expect the police to be our social servicers, service providers. We expect the police to be our counselors. We expect our police to be our therapists, to be the saviors. And yet, that is completely backwards. Um, so we need to divest money from our police, divest money from our military, and start investing back in our communities um, and prioritize um, the people. So what do you think is next for what you have to do um, for what we have to do? What is next? That's a really good question. Um, 
Well, I know that tomorrow I have a phone call with assembly person um, Chris Holden with a bunch of other clergy members and um, faith leaders here in Pasadena and in San Gabriel Valley. And we're going to tell him uh, this is the moment to be able to um, put our money where our mouth is. Um, are we going to get the budget that we need that's going to value people first over profit? Um, that's going to change our systems by which we stop taking money um, from our communities and we invest in our communities instead. We, and we start taking money from um, those who have it, our corporations who have been benefiting from the fifth largest economy in the state of California, and we put it back in our schools, put it back in our people, put it back in our youth, put it back in the values that we care about, like healthcare. What are you going to preach to your congregation in regards to what you feel like God wants them to do, or what are you preaching to them? Um, I think today's message is a, was a really good one that spoke to me, um, and it's probably something that I would repeat, which is the power does not belong to one. The power belongs to the people. Um, we, can't be, uh, we can't live status quo anymore. Um, and so I think we need to... We need to realize the power that we have, that each, every single individual has to be able to change the system that they are um, in. Uh, we can't be swimming anymore in these muddied waters. Uh, we need to clean it um, and we need to refresh it and we need to renew it. And um, we actually have the power to do that. We just, we just need to realize that. Um, and when we gather together, we unite and we organize, um, transformation happens. So that's probably what I preach about. If you'd like more reference on the day of Pentecost, it can be found as biblical scripture in the book of Acts chapter 2. Make sure you go back and listen to the previous episode on Voices from the Streets of the Black Lives Matter movement if you haven't already, and stay tuned for more episodes on this movement to be airing very soon. For more information on LA Voice, go to lavoice.org. For more information on what you can do to help make a difference in this movement and in your community, Go to my blog post where I provide links, resources, and more for educational materials and different action steps. The links will be in the description. For more updates on this podcast, be sure to follow at NotesFromHer underscore on Instagram and Twitter, and like Notes From Her on Facebook. Once again, this is Notes From Her, and I am your host, Xochitl Hernandez. Stay musical, stay safe, and stay empowered.